praise your holy name. You know, years ago, I worked for a ministry that taught worship, you may be seated, taught worship as a lifestyle. And we had such a uh, struggle in getting people to attend, and yet there were wonderful, wonderful worship seminars, but what a struggle to get people to come. And then some friends of mine knew that I taught a lot on healing and they were going to have a healing seminar and asked if I would come and help them with the seminar. And I said, oh, sure, I'll help you. But I didn't want to discourage them and say, well, probably not too many people are going to show up. <laughs> so I just I didn't say that. I said, well, I'm coming, I'll be sure and be there and help you. Well, there was a massive crowd came to the healing seminar. I thought, well, this is fantastic. <laughs> and we had such a, it was a wonderful, wonderful time, wonderful time. And God just touched so many people, so many lives touched and changed. And as I was leaving, I was walking across the parking lot and I said, Lord, that was so wonderful tonight. And I said, what is it, Lord? Why, why is it that there were so few people come to the, the worship service? And so many came to the healing seminar. And he spoke to me immediately and he said, healing is what I give my people. Worship is what my people give to me. But my people are not givers like they think they are. But if my people would learn to worship me, not only would their healing come easier, but it would take them into a higher dimension of walking in divine health. So worship is one major key to receiving healing. Amen. Just focusing on the healer and not always what we need. If you have your Bibles, turn, if you would, to Isaiah 53.5. Isaiah 53.5. It says that Jesus was wounded for our transgressions and he was bruised for our iniquities and the chastisement of our peace was upon him and by his stripes his stripes we are healed not going to be healed he says we are and then in 1 Peter 2:24 you don't have to turn there but it says he who himself bore our sicknesses in his own body on the tree that we, having died to sin, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes we were healed. So if the Bible says you are and you were, well, then honey, you is. <laughs> and so we have to see ourselves as the word of God says we are. See, we walk by faith and not by sight. And I always like to say it like this, we walk by truth and not by the facts. Facts are real, but truth supersedes the facts. So faith is of the heart. So we have to live from the inside out. Not the outside in, but we have to live from within. The Holy Spirit, the helper, lives on the inside of us. The Holy Spirit that is one-third of the Godhead. We have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. God the Father lives in heaven. And the Bible says that Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father in heaven. That's two-thirds of the Trinity. But the other third of the Holy Trinity is not in heaven. He imparted one-third of himself to live in us the moment we got born again. To me, that is beyond awesome when you think that one-third of the Godhead actually lives on the inside of us. That's powerful, very powerful. You know, we hear so much about uh, terrorists and bombs and this and that and so much destruction, and, and we know bombs are very, very powerful very powerful but a bomb and when a bomb goes off it doesn't just destroy the target it destroys everything else around it but no bomb has ever been powerful enough 
never has and never will be powerful enough to reach the pit of hell. But the same spirit that did raise Christ from the dead, that lives in us, did reach the pit of hell and raised Christ from the dead. That is the same power that lives on the inside of you and me. We have more power than a bomb. No bomb never has or never will do that. But the spirit, the power that God put in us is more powerful than a bomb. I mean, that is powerful. We have the ability to zero in on a malignant tumor, destroy all those cancer cells, and never harm any healthy tissue around it. It just hits the target. It hits that bullseye and can never destroy any healthy tissue around it. So faith is the eye that sees the invisible. The eye of faith, you have to first see it on the inside before you'll ever see it on the outside. In God's eyes, you're already healed. Now, I know everyone who's sitting here today, you know, and I could never talk you out of it, you know that you know that you know that when you leave this earth, you're going to go to heaven. You know that, right? I mean, I couldn't talk you out of that. But how many of you have already seen heaven? No, none. But you know that you know that you're going to be there. And in God's eyes, you're already there. Because after you ask, ask Jesus to come into your life, there's not one more thing that you have to do to receive salvation. Everything is already done. So in God's eyes, you are already there. Even though you haven't seen it yet, it's a done deal. Well, so it is with healing. He says, you are, you were. It's a done deal. You are already, in God's eyes, you are already healed. And so we have to begin to see ourselves as the word says we are. He says, you are, you were, and it's a done deal. It's a done deal. How many of you have ever been to Disneyland? Anybody ever been to Disneyland? Bob, have you not been to Disneyland? Been to Disney World? Well, but you know where it is. I mean, you've heard about it. How many have ever heard about Disneyland? Okay. Well, I live about an hour from Disneyland. Well, after Walt Disney finished building Disneyland, he proceeded to build Disney World. But before Disney World was finished, he passed away. But they completed the project and they finished building Disney World. Then they had the grand opening and they had many speakers. And well, Mrs. Disney was one of the speakers at the grand opening. And the MC went to introduce Mrs. Disney and he said, we are so sorry now, Walt Disney isn't here to see this, but we're so honored to have Mrs. Disney. Well, she got up on that platform. The first words out of her mouth, she said, oh, my husband, Walt Disney, he did see it. He saw it in here. And he'd, had he not first seen it in here, none of us would see it out here today. He saw Mickey Mouse and Donald Duck. He saw all those characters walking around. He saw it in here. And to his, in his eyes, it's already built. It was already built. He just finished it in the natural. So it is with healing. It's a done deal. You have to see, hey, I'm already there. I'm already there. And that's another part of why Jude 20 is so important, that you keep yourself built up. Because otherwise, just like that with that mustard seed, the mustard seed is not distracted by anything in its surroundings. We cannot be distracted when those symptoms come or those negative reports keep flooding in. And, uh, you know, if, if I had to choose, and I'm not selling my product, but if I had to choose two things probably of my books, I would probably say this is my number one because it talks about instructions. You know, it says in Proverbs 4.13, take hold of instructions because they are your life. If you don't know how to follow the instructions, you get some new kitchen equipment or something, you, you read the instructions or it's not going to work. You're not going to be able to use it to its benefit. You have to know the instructions. And the Lord says in Proverbs 4.13, 
take hold of instructions because they are your life. If you don't know how to follow the instructions, your life isn't going to be the way it should be. And then the second thing that kind of goes along with it is those healing scriptures. And saying that prayer, when you take authority over, you know, that Jesus said, I have given you authority to trample on serpents, on scorpions, over all the power of the enemy, and nothing take that authority. When you read this little prayer, spirit of, spirit of whatever it is, cancer, COVID, heart condition, high blood pressure, whatever it is, spirit of, any malfunction, irregularity, abnormality, you can speak to that. And in the name of Jesus, I pull you down from your position of authority. I break the power of assignment you have against me, for it is written. And then you take the medicine. This is following the instructions. You have to look at it. You have to speak it and apply it. And it's not something that you do just periodically. If you've got something really going on in your life, you can do it. You can do it every hour on the hour. There's times where I've gone to a hospital to pray for somebody. There's always a clock in that hospital room. I say, if you have to just look at that clock or set your, your little watch, a little alarm, every hour in the hour, just take one dose of medicine because you can't overdose. You've got to double up, triple up, quadruple up. I mean, when your life is on the line, you need to get really, really, really intense about taking the medicine because the devil works 24-7 to steal, kill, and destroy you. We have to be as eager to do that. You've got to fight. You know, um, I don't know if I ever shared this testimony with you. I think I probably did. It's not in my notes, but the Lord's bringing it to my remembrance. But when I was over in Africa, in Morocco, and um, my friends and I, we had come on the boat from Spain because they had to take care of their visa and paperwork. Did I tell you this story before about that? Um, say they had never been to Africa, and so they wanted me to go with them. And uh, so we're going to go over there and take care of their paperwork. And as soon as we got off the boat, we walked through the terminal. And as soon as we got outside, we were bombarded by, I think it was, it was four or five, very, very angry, mean Muslim men. And they walked right up to us, right in our face. And they said, if you say one nice thing about the Jews, we're going to kill you right here on the spot. We thought, wow, hello. <laughs> and so I just turned to my friends and I said, we need to go back in the terminal. And I said, we need to take our passport and our money and put it inside our undergarments. Because when we go back out there, if they're still there, whatever we do, we cannot lose our passport. We can't lose our money. I said, so when we go out there, if they're out there, those men are still there, do not make eye contact. Do not show fear and do not say one word. Don't look at them. If they're out there, don't look at them. Don't show fear. Don't say anything. So we took care of our money and our passport. We went outside, and there they were. They threatened to kill us. And they must have harassed us about five hours. We couldn't get rid of them. They were in arm's distance behind us the whole time, threatening us. And uh, finally, my girlfriend's husband, he said, that's it, that's it. You know, I could, he said, that's enough. You know, and he's about to say something. And I knew, I, I thought, oh, he's not gonna, he doesn't know how to handle this. And um, I said, I just whispered to him, I said, don't say anything, I'll, I'm going to take spiritual authority over this. Well, my girlfriend, she said, oh, Meryl, whatever you do, don't say the name of Jesus. And I said, well, I'm not going to do it in the name of Marilyn. I said, I said, there's power in the name of Jesus. I am going to use the name of Jesus. And I know those men are not going to like it. So I made eye contact with them. I looked at every one of them right in the eyes. And I said, in the name of of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I command you to leave us alone right now. Well, they got very angry. And two of them got so angry that those two came up right, because they're standing right here to start with, they're right in our face. And those two came forward. One of them is pressing his body against my body. The other one's pushing his body against my body, and they're pressing in against me, and their face is right here, 
and they are screaming and saying horrible things to me. And I thought to myself, and I laughed on the inside. I thought, <laughs> if you're mad now, you're really not going to like what I'm going to do next. I thought, I'm going to worship the Lord. Now, they hadn't taken our luggage, and we were supposed to go down to Casablanca, so we just had carry-on luggage. So I still had my one luggage in my one hand, but I thought, I'm going to lift up my holy hand, and I'm going to worship, and I'm going to sing about the blood. They're not going to like knowing anything about the blood. And he was touching me so close, I had to squeeze to get my hand between his body and my body. That's how, I mean, they're touching my body. And I got my hand up here, and I looked at them, and I thought, I'm going to sing about the blood, and I'm going to start walking forward, and you're either going to walk backwards or you're getting out of my way. And I lifted up my hand, and I just started singing, and I just made up a song. Lord, I thank you for your blood. Lord, I thank you for the blood. And I started walking, and I started singing. And I, and I thought, I'm not going to stop till they're gone. You don't go halfway and think, well, I guess it didn't work. No, it works. And so I must have walked the distance of about three city blocks, just singing and walking. And as I started walking, they started walking backwards. And pretty soon, they got off to the side. And at the end of those three blocks, and I was still singing, my hand held high. And the, you know, the Bible says, resist the devil, he will flee. Flee means to run in terror. Finally, they, all of them, they ran and fled in terror. They ran across the road. I looked over there, and they were so frustrated. They were jumping up and down because they just got defeated. So you can't give up. And somebody later on, I was sharing that testimony with somebody, and they says, well, why in the world did you wait five hours? And I says, well, I don't know how you to handle it. I said, but to me, I realized that we walked right into the middle of the enemy's camp. He was not on our territory. We walked smack dab in the middle of the enemy's territory. And I said, I thought we're just going to do wisdom, try to take care of our business. I mean, any building we went into, they were right behind it. We just couldn't get rid of them. I said, to me, it was wisdom. And then I said, you know, when you take authority over the devil like that, he's not going to like it, and he's not going to say... He's not going to apologize. He's not going to say, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to give you cancer. I didn't mean to give you high blood pressure. He's not going to apologize because he's, he's not sorry. He is there to steal, kill, and destroy you. And I told this person, I said, to me, it was wisdom because we walked right into the enemy's camp. And I said, when you, when you take step one, you better be ready for step two because the enemy is not going to stop at step one. He's going to wait and see how, what, the level, what level is your faith at. Because he can scare you and you think, oh, I guess that didn't work. You can't take step one unless you're ready to go the full nine yards. You have to be ready for second, step two. And that comes from building yourself up at all times. You've got to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. But that comes from taking God's word, no matter what it is that you need, whether it's for medicine or, or any situation of life. You've got to build yourself up. You cannot get into fear or get weak or wimpy and think, well, I guess it's not going to work. You have to fight that good fight of faith because the devil, he never quits. He's not going to back down at all. So in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 13, it says, take hold of instructions. And then he specifically gives us instructions beginning in verse 20 of chapter. And that's what this whole little book is all about, the instructions. He says, my son, give attention to my words. Now, when you go to a doctor, you're going to get a doctor's report. When you come to the word of the Lord, you get the Lord's report. You're always going to be confronted with two reports, the natural or the supernatural report. And he says, pay attention to my words, or we could say, my report. You're going to have two reports, but I want you to pay attention to my report. Incline your ear to my report. So when he says pay attention, I can remember when I was in grade school and the weather was nice outside and the teacher would open the windows. Well, as soon as she opened the windows, well, we could hear maybe sometimes the band would come out and practice or you could hear another classer out there on recess. Well, we're always turning to see, look out the window. And the teacher would always say, 
Boys and girls, pay attention, pay attention. Because she knew if we didn't pay attention, we're not going to listen and hear what she has to say. She said, I need you to pay attention so that you can learn this. That's what God is saying, pay attention. Don't get distracted on all those things that you're going to hear from this other voice from the devil. Pay attention. Don't get distracted with the symptoms. They're going to come. The negative reports are going to keep flooding in. Don't get distracted. So incline your ear to my sayings. So a part of these instructions is the ear is involved. And then somebody has to say something in order for you to hear it. It's not just what the pastor says. It's what you say when you're all alone, even at midnight, when fear wants to grip you and you're all alone. It has to be a lifestyle. So you have to speak what God says. And just like when you read the Bible, you should always read it out loud so that you hear it, hear it, hear it. It's not just looking at it. You need to hear it. So we can see with these instructions, the ear is involved, the ear gate, the mouth gate. Then do not let them, them what? Don't let my report depart from your eyes. So now we've got the ear gate, the mouth gate, the eye gate. They're all involved. The word of God is alive. It is God speaking to us. This is the holy written word of God. It's him speaking. So when you read the word of God, if you were to accumulate every book in the entire world, fiction, nonfiction, didn't matter what, every book in the entire world, you would only find one book, only one in the entire world that has been breathed with the breath of God. Therefore, that is the only book in the entire world that is alive, is anointed. And so that's why when you keep it before your eyes and you're reading the word of God, you can read something maybe a thousand times, but that particular day, God wants to say one specific thing to you, and that a word can almost, almost like it literally jumps off the page. You think, wow, I never saw it like that before. Why? Because it's alive. It's alive. So he says, I want you to, the ear gate, I mean the eye gate, the ear gate, the mouth gate are all involved in these instructions. And then it says, keep them. Keep them what? My report. Keep my report in the middle of your heart. Not the head. But once the ear gate, the mouth gate, and the eye gate are all involved, that's what gets that word into your heart. Keep it in the middle of your heart, for they, my report, is life to those that find it, who believe it, who get a revelation of it. That's why that prayer in Ephesians is so important, that God gives us a spirit of wisdom and revelation of the knowledge of him, that the eyes of our understanding are enlightened. So when you look at that word, it comes alive on the inside of you. And I said, so when you find it, when you get a revelation that you are healed, you're already there. You're already there. Uh, then it is medicine to your flesh. And then the manifestation can come. Now, you don't know when it's going to come. That's not up to us. That's God's part. Our part is to have the eye gate, the ear gate, the mouth gate, and the heart gate, all involved in doing our part. Read that word over, and if you have to double up, triple up, quadruple up. You know, I've had three miracles, and it wasn't a piece of cake. It wasn't a piece of cake. There's a journey. There's a journey to everything. You can just say, like I might call Cammie, and I'll say, what are you doing? And she might say, well, I, I, just, I just went to the store, or I just got to the store. We, she didn't just get to the store. There was a process to get to the store. First of all, she had to have a job to get money, to buy a car, to, in order to get her to the store, to be able to have the money to buy the food. You don't just, just get someplace. <laughs> There's a journey for everything. You didn't just get to church. You had to get dressed, you had to have your breakfast, you had to drive the car, you know what I'm saying? Well, you don't just get healed. Yes, there are instant miracles, and praise God, I've had three of them. But there was a journey. It wasn't just without, first of all, knowing the instructions 
and applying these instructions. Does this make sense? Does it make sense to you? <clears throat> and then verse 23 in Proverbs 4. Keep or guard your heart with all diligence. One translation says, above all else, guard your heart. What are you guarding it from? The symptoms, the facts. You have to guard your because they're going to come. They're going to be there. Because the doctor might say, well, you have this and that. Well, he's just speaking from the mental, the knowledge that he has in the mental realm. But you are not the real you. You, have a, you are a spirit. You have a soul and you live in a body. He's talking about your body, you, your body, has this or has that. But it's not really you. You are a spirit being. Just like living in California, every two years we have to have our house uh, checked for termites. But the termite inspector might come out and check the house, then he'll say, Marilyn, I'm sorry to tell you, but you have termites. I think, oh, where? I didn't know I had termites. I don't take that personally. Or if the mechanic says, well, you need a new transmission. Well, I know he's talking about my car. He's not talking about me. The termite inspector is talking about my house. He's not talking about me. The doctor says, you have diabetes. You have cancer. He's not talking about me. He's talking about my house. So see, that's where you've got to have your mind right. He's talking about the natural realm. We have to live according to the spirit realm. There's two realms. The spirit realm must dominate. And that's why it's so important that you keep yourself built up in the Holy Ghost. Jude 20, always praying in the Holy Spirit. So when it says guard your heart, guard your heart against the facts. And there are so many people today constantly going to Mr. Google. Mr. Google is not the healer. He can only give you facts. Facts breed fear. And fear is the enemy of your faith. So you cannot go to a place where you're going to get facts. Fine for navigating you to get down the road. But don't go to Mr. Google and ask him what he thinks about your doctor's report. Because all he's going to do is agree with the doctor making it worse. <laughs> so you have to be so careful about guarding your heart. Before the fall, the human body had no sickness or disease. Adam and Eve were never, never sick. It's after the fall that the human body now became subject to sickness and disease. Now we know that God made the human body. How many agree with me? God made the human body. This holy written word, this is God's word. God wrote the, that's his, his words, right? So the Bible, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 6, 19, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? And you are not yourself. You are bought, you were bought with the price. You are not your own. You've been purchased. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which is his. So this body, once I'm born again, I have given him my whole life, spirit, soul, and body. So you never have to question, does he want you healed? Because yes, he does. He bought it. He bought. You know, if you ever went to the grocery store, when you walk in that grocery store, every item on that shelf belongs to the grocery store. That's not yours. And you could put it in your basket, but still not yours. Until you purchase it, it does not belong to you. But once you pay for it, you now have the right to take those groceries and go home with them. They now belong to you. This body, Jesus purchased this body. He bought it on the cross. It now belongs to him. And so we have to receive it like that. We have to say, this is not my body. He bought this. And it's just like if um, when you go to the grocery store and you might have two heavy bags of groceries and maybe somebody walks and says, oh, hey, can I help you carry your groceries? I say, well, yes. That person now takes the groceries out of your hand into their hand so you no longer have it. Well, that's what Jesus said. I'm, I'm going to take every sickness and disease. I'm going to carry he says, I carried it for you. I bore your sickness and your diseases. Therefore, you don't have it anymore. 
So that's why in his eyes, you're already there. You're already healed because he purchased the whole thing. It all, it all belongs to him. So when God made the human body, he made this human body to automatically respond to his word because they're both from God. Therefore, the human body will never reject God's medicine. And God's medicine will never reject healing God's body. They both are from God. They both have an assignment from the throne room to work together. So your body will never reject the medicine, and the medicine will never reject healing the body. It's just like seed and soil. God made the seeds, and he made the soil. When you put that seed into the ground, that, that ground will not reject that seed, and that seed will not reject that ground. That's why you can drive up into the, the Rocky Mountains, and all of a sudden you see a big bush or even a tree coming out of a rock. You think, well, how did that happen? Because there was a little tiny seed that happened to land on that rock and slipped down, and there was a little piece of dirt. Well, they connected because that was their assignment. Their assignment was to connect, and they grow. It grows right out of that Rocky Mountain. Well, your body has an assignment from God to receive God's medicine. It's an assignment from the throne room to work together. That is, to me, that just makes healing sound so, so simple. So simple. Amen. So I said earlier, does anybody have any kind of question about anything about healing? Does anybody have a question about anything that maybe I can answer? Maybe I can't, but I'll give it a try. Anybody have a question? You know, sometimes people ask me, um, is it a lack of faith if I go to the doctor? Or is it a lack of faith if I, if I take medicine? Is that a lack of faith? No, it's not. You're mixing wisdom. Let's just say, for example, your body is in a lot of pain. And you think, well, is it a lack of faith if I take Tylenol or something? Is it a lack of faith? No, it's not a lack of faith. If you go ahead, you're in pain, and you take something that will uh, eliminate the pain, then you've eliminated the distraction. Because that is a big distraction if you've got pain. You've got, you're fighting the pain and you're trying to believe for healing. If you can eliminate some of that pain, you can focus more on the healing. So it's not a lack of faith. And when I had all three of my miracles, all three of my miracles, I was under doctor's care. And in all three situations, there was nothing the doctors could do. Absolutely nothing. Nothing. Was God nervous because I was under doctor's care? Absolutely not. Was he restricted because, well, she went to the doctor, so I can't do anything? No, no. He knows right where you are, and you're just mixing wisdom. So if you're taking medicine, the Holy Spirit will tell you if you should, you can stop it, whatever. Don't just let some family members, well, if you were in faith, you shouldn't be taking medicine. Another thing, you don't tell people, remember, don't cross-pollinate your faith with people who don't believe. They'll pull you down. They will discourage you. It happens all the time. There's nothing wrong with keeping things to yourself. And if you can find, you've got a church. You've got a church like this. You've got somebody that can come into agreement with you. And I know there's sometimes if you're in the hospital or something, well, you may have to tell a, a family member, of course, but you can limit what you're saying. You can limit what you're saying. But uh, so it's not a lack of faith to take medicine. It's not a lack of faith uh, to go to the doctor. Um, you don't have any questions because I'll answer anything you might have. <laughs> but I want, just want to encourage you to, um, you know, once you're born again, you are covered with the blood of Jesus. And I'm just kind of sharing some of the things that, that I've learned to do. When I realize that I'm covered with the blood of Jesus. I can speak to that situation just like I would like in this little, thing, this little packet here. I can speak to that situation. And I say, devil, you cannot cross the bloodline. I am covered with the blood of Jesus. Therefore, you cannot trespass. You cannot cross this bloodline. You do not belong here. So in the name of Jesus, I push you back. 
push you back. I'm pushing you back. And I do that. I'll say, no, you're not coming here. And if you've already crossed the blood, you have to get back. I push you back. I push you back. I push you back. I push you back. Ephesians 4.27, give no place. Give no place. Because there are times where, you know, like I talked about my new book, Three Methods of Operation, Receiving. You, healing, believe and receive, just like salvation. But there's times where the devil is going to break through. And so that's when you've got to be very aggressive. Now, you, now it's not just receiving faith. It's fighting. It's aggressive faith. So that's when you speak to that situation. No, 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 you cannot come here. I push you back, I push you back, I push you back. I can remember one time when I was living in the Swiss Alps uh, doing a a pioneer work for the Lord up there. And there was um, a couple that I had invited to come over to lead worship because I was starting a Bible school over there and they were going to do the worship for me. And the lady that was in charge of their ministry, she wanted to come to Switzerland. And I knew this person. I thought, oh, I don't really like that lady too much. I'd really rather she didn't come. But she wouldn't let them come if she couldn't come. I said, well, okay. So, and I knew she was kind of a sickly person, but I didn't really know what was all wrong with her. Now, I live in the Alps. I'm not down in Zurich. I am up the mountains. You have to take the train, and then you have to take the bus all the way up to the mountains. So I go to the airport to pick them up. She's in a wheelchair. I'm on the third floor in a holiday house, and they don't have elevators. And I looked at her, and, okay, we got a problem here. And then I found out her problem was she's on the waiting list for a lung transplant. I thought, okay, now we really got a problem here. <laughs> so I thought, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give her, I have a, my place has two bedrooms. So I thought, well, I'll give her my bedroom, and I'll sleep on the sofa because my room she had the breathing machine with her and And (laughs) so I'm going to make her as comfortable as I can because my rooms are not big it's not a big holiday house but it's just a holiday house and um, so I made her as comfortable we finally got her up those steps and oh boy so she's there and I was gonna I thought well this is a good opportunity I can share healing with her well after the second day she said don't tell me those healing. I don't want to hear anything about that healing. I thought, okay, you don't want to know about healing. I mean, she's a believer. I thought, okay, well, we won't do that. So I would b- bring her the Swiss chocolates, and I would give her flowers in the room. And I thought, she is as negative and mean. She is a mean person. And then she wanted a car. So I thought, okay, I have to rent a car for her in my name because I'm over there. You know, they have an, and you know what the Autobahn is? There's no speed limit. So she's using the car that I rented for. She got a ticket on the Autobahn. I thought, now how did you do that? And didn't bother to tell me that she got a ticket until after she went. She was living in Israel. She goes back to Israel. Then I get this ticket. I thought, how in the world did she get that ticket? And this week that she's there happened during September 11th. And she lives in Israel. I thought, Oh, boy. <laughs> She's panicking. So finally, they leave. And um, I go back to my bedroom. That first night in the middle of the night, I woke up. And, Ooh, I could hardly breathe. I thought, what is wrong? I can't catch my breath. It was kind of scary. And I, finally, it passed. And, and then the second night, the same thing happened. I couldn't breathe in the middle of the night. And I thought, did she leave a spirit in my room. So the third night, I went to bed. I couldn't, I couldn't breathe. Well, it's, I'm up here in the Alps all by myself. I don't have a telephone. I don't have a, no internet. I don't have an iPad, a cell phone, nothing. I don't even know people up there. <laughs> and um, I got out of bed, couldn't catch my breath. I went over to my refrigerator. I'm going to take communion. Communion is so important. I mean, I take communion as often as I can at home uh, every morning. I take communion. Do it in remembrance that by his stripes I am healed. It's not a law. I do it. I'm solidly remembering. Okay, Lord, you took my sicknesses and you carried my disease. I'm I'm remembering what you did that I don't have this. So I'm going to the refrigerator. I I just had a, uh, I got a little piece of a cracker and I had some uh, um, pineapple juice. Now, 
I can't breathe, I can't pray, I'm looking up towards heaven like, oh, you know, I can't breathe here, <laughs> and I just touched my finger with the, with the juice and just a little bit of a cracker, I can't swallow anything, and finally it lifted. And then in the name of Jesus, I took authority over that spirit, and it never came back. But there's times when, you know, you really have to fight. The Bible says you fight the good fight of faith. And I want to encourage you, you can take communion. Somebody just recently said, well, you know, I can really do that by myself at home. Absolutely, because you're doing it in remembrance. Some churches do it once a month. Some do it, some, I've been to some churches for several years. I think, think maybe they did it at Christmas and maybe Easter. <laughs> Come on, <laughs> you know, but uh, you can take communion yourself at home. Remembering that by his stripes, you are healed. There's things like this that you can do. And then, devil, you cannot cross this, this bloodline. I say, no. Maybe you got a doctor's report, an evil report. No, devil, you're not crossing the bloodline. You don't deny that maybe something negative is going on. Don't deny it. Don't get into thinking that it's not there. It's real. It is real. But faith supersedes it. Everything from God supersedes anything that's in the natural arena. But we have to do our part. Yes, we're all going to go to heaven and we're not there yet. It's a done deal. But so is healing. But there's things that we have to apply for that healing to be activated because heaven is for when we leave this earth. Healing is for while we are on this earth. You don't go to heaven to get healed. Healing is for here. So Jesus did his, his part. We now have to do our part to receive. Does this make sense to you guys? Does this help you? You have any questions at all? If you think about, yes, you have a question. How do we approach this when it involves like our family member that might have cancer, like cancer, and they're fighting mm -hmm. for their life? They have a very short period of time left to live. Mm -hmm. and, um, Are they a believer or non-believer? So they don't understand healing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You can first of all, you can you do um, you can stand in the gap for people if they don't understand. Brother Hagan used to stand in the gap for his wife, Aretha, until finally the Lord says, now she's got to stand on her own. You can stand on your kids for a while, but pretty soon they have to do it on their own. And, uh, but if you have a, a family member who doesn't believe or isn't at that level, you can stand in the gap for them. And if you have an opportunity, are you able to share with them the word of God on healing? Or are they open to it? If they're not open to it, or, or even if they're not a believer, healing belongs to us because it's part of the covenant. It belongs to us. Healing does not belong to an unbeliever. But God so loved the world. He loves every human being. And so the goodness of God will draw men to repentance. So an unbeliever can receive healing through God's grace. It belongs to us, but he so loved every person. So he will heal an unsaved person through grace. And then once they receive that healing, for example, I was preaching in uh, Slovakia one year. I was doing a whole healing seminar all week long. And uh, I didn't know about it, but this lady had invited her cousin to come to the seminar. He was not a believer, didn't want to come, and he's at stage four cancer. And she kept saying, if I was you, I would come. So he shows up the last night. Again, I didn't know anything about him, didn't know anything about the situation. So then I gave, I always pray for people to receive salvation. So I had an invitation for people to come up and to get saved. And well, that man didn't come up in, in the salvation line. So then I gave an invitation to pray for the sick. And so then some more people came up for that and he came up for healing. And, uh, but I knew by the Holy Spirit he was not saved. And I said, sir, have you ever asked the Lord into your life? And he said, no, I haven't done that. I said, oh, okay, okay. <laughs> Just snapped me, no, I haven't done that. I said, oh, okay. I said, would you like to do that? No, I don't want to do that. I said, 
oh, okay, <laughs> just being real friendly, you know, oh, okay. Well, what exactly is it that you do want? He's, he said, I just want your God to heal me and take away this pain, but I do not want any of that other stuff. I don't want to be a Christian. I don't want any of that stuff. I just want to be healed, and I want God to take away this pain. I said, sir, my God loves you so much. He wants you healed, and I will pray for that. So I prayed for him. Well, the next day I had to fly to another country, and I called the pastor, and I said, Pastor, can we go see that man? His name was Garth. I said, can we go see him before I leave? Because he has just got to get saved. He is so close to leaving this earth. He's got to get saved. And he says, yes, we can go to his house. But before you called me, Marilyn, his cousin called. He had already called her and said, I'm healed. I have no pain. <laughs> Your God healed me. So he was shocked when I showed up at his house. And I said, sir, do you remember that I told you that my God loves you? And he said, I remember, but now I know he loves me. And then he gave his heart to the Lord because it's the goodness of God that drew him to repentance. So don't ever think that God can't heal an unsaved person. So you can stand in the gap for them. And, but in, in addition to doing that, pray the prayers of the Apostle Paul that the spiritual enlightenment will come to them. But uh, you can only go so far. But I can remember, Brother Hagen used to say, meet people where they are. And I was in Indonesia one year. Well, it was after the, the great tsunami, and I was over there. And I was preaching in a church, and uh, we had, I don't know, at least 100 people or so. All these were Muslims that came to the service. And they were excited, thinking they were Christians, just because they weren't practicing the Muslim faith. But I knew, well, they're not saved. They're just not practicing the Muslim faith. But I knew I couldn't tell them that they're not saved or they'd have just gotten up and walked out on me. I said, I said, I am so happy to hear that you are all Christians, that it's just so wonderful. And now that you're a Christian, I want to tell you how you can have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And they thought, well, that would be great. <laughs> and I, so I explained the whole plan of salvation. They all got saved. So you have to meet people on their level, then you can take them up to a higher level. Does that help you at all, Deborah? I mean, it's, it's, I know it's challenging, especially when it's a family member. You just so want them to get saved. So you can stand in the gap, but praying for spiritual understanding is so important. And when you pray for, and when I was in the hospital uh, dying of malaria, I had just graduated from Rama. Well, I didn't need all of Rama to pray for me. Two of the instructors, instructors were praying for me and I had come to the hospital. And the person that took me to the hospital, or one of my friends, I said, I, I want you to pray for me, but there's one prayer I do not want you to pray. Do not pray and ask the Lord to heal me because it's already a done deal. I'm already there. The only prayer I want you to pray is the prayer of the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 3, 16, 17, 18, that I would be strengthened in might by God's Spirit in the inner man because I knew if I'm strong on the inside, I will get the victory on the outside. But if I'm only led by the flesh, I'm only moved by circumstances, then I'm weak and I will lose the battle. So I always, when I go to pray for people, I always pray for their inner strength. I pray for their healing, but I pray for their inner strength because they have to do their part. Does that help you today? Well, Father, we thank you so much for your word. Thank you, Father God, that in your eyes, we're already there. We are already there. So we thank you for it. We give you praise. We give you glory. We give you honor. And I pray for every person here right now, Father God, that they will receive that spirit of wisdom and revelation of the knowledge of you, Lord, and even for myself, that the eyes of our understanding are enlightened to the hope of your calling and the riches of the glory of the inheritance of the saints, and that we would all be strengthened in might by your spirit in the inner man, that we will be able to comprehend the height and depth and width and breadth and to know the love of Christ that passes knowledge. We thank you for that inner strength. We thank you 
for your faithfulness. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you, Father God, that you always, always look over your word to perform it. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, thank you for having me today. It's been a wonderful time being with all of you again. And, and um, just thank you so much for having me come and uh, give my greetings to Pastor Chip. He actually texted me this morning, so. <laughs> but I'll turn it back to you. That was good. That was a good word. It's a done deal. I like that. Yeah, it is. It's it's already done. We don't have to do anything except uh, be good children and receive what our Father has for us. Amen. That's good. We thank you so much again, Miss Marilyn, for, for coming and Cammie. Um, and we do want to receive an offering today. All Everything in the offering will go to Marilyn Neubauer and her ministry. Um, and we call it blessed. Uh, we call the, the folks that are given blessed. And we also... Um, Bless Miss Marilyn and her ministry that it'll it'll go abundantly above all that she can ask or think. And go ahead, Mr. Jared. Amen. Praise God. And Germany is next for you, right? So be praying for safe travels and uh, and just a productive work in Germany. And we'll be praying for you. And uh, wish I could go with you. That sounds fun. <laughs> I'd love to go. I think we have that in us, both of us. We love to, we love to go. <laughs> yeah, sometime. And be praying for Chip. He'll be traveling home uh, tomorrow or maybe sometime in the middle of the night, probably as far as our time goes. But uh, All right. Well, thanks for coming. Don't forget there's apples in the back. If you want more apples, get them. If you don't, get them and give them to somebody else. You all be blessed. We'll see you on Wednesday night. Chip will be back for then. All right. You're dismissed. Book table is the back.